morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Renee! Renee, it is so good to have you here this morning. It's been a while since we've been on radio together. That's true, yes. But you were here earlier in the week. I was with Lawson. Yes, yes. you and Lawson were here. What are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful for, <laughs> I always feel weird about my thankful stuff because <laughs> I really am grateful for um, salads because I, <laughs> I really want to eat a salad right now. A big bowl of salad so and I'll you're, tell you you're, why. Okay, all right. I, I do want to know why. Because it's breakfast I, time, you know, it's supposed to be wheat bix, right? <laughs> it is supposed to be wheat bix. But when I feel like maybe just a bit stressed or I feel like, oh, I haven't been eating healthy or I just feel like, because I've, I've been studying a lot, right? It's assessment, crunch time. And I'm like, I need so a big a, bowl of this salad. Is, this, is, this is a conscience breakfast. Yeah. Your conscience <laughs> is speaking to you and your conscience <laughs> is saying, Renee... You need to eat rabbit food. Yeah, I do. I like like it. (laughs) You know, I have never craved for salad for breakfast. I enjoy a hot breakfast. I enjoy a cold breakfast. I like my wheat bix for breakfast. I'm a person of habit. I can eat the same thing every day for my entire life for breakfast. Um, But not, not, never. I've had apple pie for breakfast, which is absolutely an amazing breakfast. That's kind of like the best breakfast ever. (laughs) I've never craved for salad for breakfast. You've got to get on it, Lyle. I I do. I (laughs) do. I mean, hey, out there in the kitchen, you can head out to the kitchen right now, and there's all kinds of cereal and soya milk, you can have, uh, you know, a standard ordinary breakfast that normal people have, but just letting you all know out there in Faith FM land, Renee is not a normal person. No. She is a salad for breakfast person. If you are a salad for breakfast person, shoot us a message or give us a call. We'd love to hear whether there are others out there who would like to join Renee. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, let's have some positively different news this morning, Renee. Sure thing. Okay, so, um, you know the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I do. I'm not sure. I have an old dog. Is it true? Because I'm not sure. I don't have a dog. I I am suspecting that it might be. It might be true. It might be. He certainly hasn't learned any new tricks in a very (laughs) long time. Okay. Although I probably haven't tried to teach him any new tricks. Huh. You know, you know, maybe he it's could. not entirely true because when we moved to a new house, it didn't take him too long to where to learn where he was allowed to go and where he wasn't was, allowed to go. Mm, okay. Yeah. So it's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's just a bit harder. Okay. Well, that works with the story. Then. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, there is a dog called Peggy and she's 10 years old and she is a um, uh, herd. She herd sheep. So sheep dog, sh- right? Um, of some description. Of of some description. And she so she was a working dog. She's ten years old, but unfortunately two years ago when she was eight years old, she lost her hearing. And so she was because she wasn't able to communicate with with her owners who would, you know, need to give her directions as to where to where to lead the sheep, um, she was no longer she, she knew it was no longer needed, and so she went into the care of a local RSPCA animal shelter. Um, but it was near Christmas where the shelter came at capacity and if, like, you know, they needed to, um, they needed people to take some pets to look after. Um, and so that's when, um, 
uh, animal welfare manager Chloe Shorten stepped in and she decided um, she decided to take Peggy home and she realized that Peggy really loved doing her job <laughs> leading guiding sheep yes, but she yes. couldn't she couldn't do it she she couldn't do it um and so they decided they were going to teach her in a sense sign language that would work so that she would understand what to do Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, so in a way, like, you know, just, I guess, gestures, um, they would use gestures and they would try and make sure that she would always try and like look back to communicate. So uh-huh, they would keep uh-huh. that communication. Um, they knew that Peggy wanted to work. And so they started the very long process of teaching her how to herd and work the shepherd, work with a shepherd without relying on voice commands. And so they, ta- they taught her to look at them for hand signals and using repetition and positive reinforcement with the help of a sheepdog trainer, Peggy eventually learnt to respond to hand signals and body language rather than the traditional verbal commands. This is amazing. You know, the great thing about dogs is that if you want a working dog, the dog must never realise it's working. <laughs> it's, always just, it's always just playing. It's a form of play. It's a game. Oh. And so when you train a dog to work, you're not training it to work like we train to work. You train it, this is the game and this is how we play the game. Oh. And so this is why they love to work so much. This is like their favorite thing in the world. They always want to do is just to work. And it'd be devastating for a sheep dog to never be able to work again. Um, never- and it's amazing when you, if you've watched these sheep dog trials and you know, the, the shepherd will be standing there and, you know, calling out all these instructions and the dog has to, you know, herd the sheep around through a whole obstacle course back mm-hmm. this way over mm-hmm. there through this gate through that, you know, over this. It's just absolutely amazing. They're so intelligent and so smart. And uh, I've never heard of one working by sign language before. Um, yeah, yes. Well, it did take a lot of work, a lot of work on Chloe's part. Um, the most important lesson that Peggy learnt had nothing to do with sheep. It had to do with the tr- with trusting, trusting it. And and it took time to uh, to learn that for her to learn that they love her and they under- and understand that they you know they praise well you know. Um, and so these days, while Peggy is semi retired uh, with a GPS tracker in place, she still heads out to the from time to time um happy to know that a thumbs up means she's a good girl she's doing the right thing so that's good to hear more on some positive news a couple who their most of their children have their last they have they've they have five kids and um their last child is moving out, moving out of home. Um, and so that's a big change. I'm not, I'm sure you would know. You yeah, know, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, when your kids leave, this the, leave is, this the nest. This has been a relatively recent uh, thing for us. Mm, and it, it must be a big, it, it's a big, you know, change. It's a big change. Um, and so I guess it was a bittersweet moment for this couple that all their children are leaving the nest. Um, however, life has changed for this couple, this couple in California. Uh, instead of looking forward to a nice, cozy retirement, they found themselves feathering their nest all over again and have adopted not just one, not two, not three, but seven adopted kids. Whoa! <laughs> okay, so producer Shell, what do you think? <laughs> Shell and Lyle. We are empty nesting right now. Let's take on another seven. No, she's nodding her head. She's up for it. Seven kids, right? Right. Um, the, the story began in, uh, 
2019, I believe, when Pam Willis was scanning on Facebook, scrolling on Facebook, um, and she saw a post titled Seven Siblings in Need for a Home Forever. And she remembers seeing that and it hit her like a ton of bricks. Um, and the story she read, it revealed that their mother, the children's mother and father perished in a car accident a year earlier and the siblings had been placed in foster care. And she said that in that instant, she knew that th- those those kids were supposed to be with them, that, that, that she wanted to bring them to her home and her husband. Her husband, Gary, um, she, she on Facebook, she tagged her husband, Gary, as you all do on Facebook. or You tag your friend on, on some post if you're interested or you're like, hey, check this out. And by the end of the day, they decided, you know what, they want to adopt all of the seven kids. Wow. So they knew this was a mission for them, but... Um, but they decided, you know, we have five, we had five kids. We have a six, a six bedroom house. I mean, yes. it's, they why not? It. They're, they're set, set up. up they're ready for it. So they said we would, who, who else, why else did we have a six bedroom house that was about to have its last child's bedroom vacated? Why else would we, uh, why else would our nest that had raised our five babies be empty just in time only to make room for our new babies. So two months after making initial contact with the foster care agency, um, the kids, the seven kids were placed with Pam and Gary. The eldest is aged 15, the youngest four years old. So these are young, young. Yeah, wow. That's the full range. Like they're, they're absolutely, they're kids. They're starting again. Um, they were definitely fearful. Um, and the children were especially scared. They, they, you know, it took time for them to build trust with it their would. new parents, um, because their parents died in an accident. She, um, Pam shares that one of her children came to her one night and she said, did you have a bad dream? She said, no, I was just checking if you were still alive. And so oh, wow. that's so heartbreaking to hear, but it's so beautiful that this family, Pam and Gary are taking on these children and they have a new home forever. Um, and they can be together. So. It's so important for um, siblings to be able to grow up together yeah, and to grow up as siblings. Mm. Um, I think it's terrible when families get torn apart and, you know, one sibling goes one way, another, another way. And, mm. you know, sometimes they'd go all kinds of different ways, particularly back in the past. You'd find that families that were in need like this would, uh, that the children would be just shared around all over the place. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So looking to more serious news, we've got uh, this, the Wear It Purple Day. So Wear It Purple Day has been around for about 10 years, uh, for, for about the past decade, and it's something that's uh, promoted a lot in schools and workplaces, um, even among the police force and so forth. And the idea behind Wear It Purple Day is to celebrate uh, diversity, particularly in the LGBT plus community. Now... Um, Wear It Purple Day is part of an organisation, and this is where... You know, some of these things start off really good and everybody gets involved in it. It becomes one of those things like, you know, Red Nose Day that everybody does every year. Mm. Uh, well, they used to back in the day. I remember Red Nose Day. They don't do that anymore, do they? <laughs> yeah, I've never. You've never seen that one. But, you know, I remember <laughs> back in the day that was kind of a thing. We used to wear red noses to school. Um, but, you know, people get into these things and it becomes a part of, you know, it just becomes an annual event and so they continue it while the organisation promoting it may actually change. Oh, okay. And this is one of the challenges that we're facing right now because the organization promoting uh, the Wear It Purple Day, uh, which was originally about, you know, celebrating diversity in the LGBT plus community, is currently part of an organization that is lobbying to erase child protection 
policies and protection policies for disabled people, which is pretty scary stuff. One of those policies being to lower the age of consent for sexual uh, practice to allow greater access to pedophiles. What? Yeah, this is the weird thing, it's a weird world in which we live. Okay, so to quote, to quote, and, and, and by the way, this is part of their feminist declaration. This so doesn't you, sound believable. It doesn't sound believable, but as a part of their feminist declaration, it states, to eliminate all laws and policies, I'm quoting here, that limit the exercise of bodily autonomy, autonomy including laws limiting legal capacity of adolescents, people with disabilities, to provide consent to sex. To sex. Okay, so we, we don't have a law at the moment if, you know, two adolescents, you know, get together and have sex. That's, we don't have a law against that. What we have a law against is somebody being a pedophile. Yeah. So somebody who is an adult mm-hmm. coercing a child. That's called, you know, in some places statutory rape because we say a child is not capable of consenting yeah. because they're too easily manipulated and they're saying, no, we need to get rid of those laws. So th- here we live in a country where one in four girls suffer abuse. One in four. Okay, that's a massive figure. One in four girls are abused and we're going to get rid of the abuse by making the abuse legal? You know, seriously, what, 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 where is this coming from? It continues on. I'll continue to quote. This is a quote. End the criminalization and stigmatization of ad- adolescents' sexuality. Okay, you, you read that on its own. And it's like, yeah, whatever. But when you link that with the fact that they have just talked about uh, providing access to adults because they're legalizing, they're changing the law here, so that's providing access to adults. Uh, ensure and promote a positive approach to young people's and ad- adolescent sexuality that enables, recognizes, and respects their agency to make informed and independent decisions on matters concerning their bodily autonomy, pleasure, and fundamental freedoms. Um, there's a whole slew of stuff that we could unpack there from a biblical perspective about marriage and, you know, adultery and fornication, etc. But even not going there from a legal perspective, this is part of a lobbying push to lower the age of consent so that adults can have sex with children. That's disgusting. It is. Mm. It is absolutely diabolical, and this is this is the the weird, messed up world that we live in today. Okay, so anyway, having talked about that one, and that one just makes me a little bit ill. Uh, let's talk about the Western Sydney Western Airport. Western Sydney. Okay, so you might be wondering, <laughs> you might be wondering, why is Faith FM talking about Western Sydney Airport? Okay, so bear with me. Um, we will get there and it will become clear as we get to the end of this particular story. But, uh, Renee, you're a Westie. I am. Yes. Proud and proud. Doonside? Doonside. Doonside. Go Doonside. Go to a uh, big shout out to all our listeners in Doonside. I'm a Westie. I lived in uh, Marsden Park. Uh, I was a Westie for 21 years, which is about 10 minutes up the road from you. Yeah, and Marsden Park is really nice, especially now. They've got like IKEA. And like Bunnings and like You know what used to be there? What? Bush. Oh yes, 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 I remember. Remember when Western Sydney had large swathes of bush in it? Yeah, now it's like Costco and (laughs) Costco and Macca's Mansions as far as the eye can see. True, true. Uh, you know we moved to Marsden Park because it was bush. (laughs) Not anymore. That's why we went there. (laughs) Uh, so two Westies, all right. 
Um, yes or no to Western Sydney Airport? What do you say? I say... I say yes, but not with the best attitude. <laughs> I say yes. Okay, So fine. You, want, you want the short drive to get to the airport. Yes, yes. But you don't want the airplane flying over No. You want your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yes. Maybe we should have rocket planes so they just take off vertically and they don't vertically. have to fly, fly, out, fly, fly over anyone. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but they are going to put an airport there. And I'm sort of... I'm a bit of a plane spotter. What does that mean? I like to look up in the sky and go, ooh, that's a such and such flying over. Oh. So I've always actually wanted to live under the flight path of an airport. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never heard someone <laughs> so say that. It's a weird thing about me. Uh, when we were at Allendale, we lived somewhat close to an airport and it was just like the best thing ever. I'd always running outside like, ooh, there goes a such and such. Um, anyway, so what's interesting is some new educational material that's been put out um, that is all about the Western Sydney Airport. And this is, um, yeah, for kids age five to six. And there are a number of exercises there, things like, you know, being on an advisory group and how to answer objections and concerns from, you know, the local community groups and residents and so forth about, you know, flight paths or environmental destruction or pollution or whatever it might be. Now, this has been... This has been put out, the first half of it is actually really good because it goes into the whole, uh, you know, the Aboriginal history of that particular region and its significance and so forth. Uh, and then it sort of becomes a little bit like government propaganda. Oh. For five to six year olds. <laughs> yeah. Because if you were in an advisory group for the airport. Yes. Rather than, okay, let's have an advisory group for the airport and let's have another community group that's opposed to it and let's have discussions in class. It might be a little bit less propagandarish. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of smacks of a little bit of uh, propaganda. And so it's got, it's got some people upset. Uh, in the region because they're like, oh, why is the government, you know, trying to push political issues onto our children and sort of win votes by stealth through the children? And so they've kind of seen through it a little bit, which is uh, not necessarily the greatest political move. But and, and as a result of that, there's a number of parents who have pulled their children from those classes. Oh, and so the government has put out a thing like this is this is um, this is not mandatory. This is um, you know something you can choose to do or not. The question that goes through my mind is this: Why do we have some places in Australia where some things are mandatory and you know some things are not in the classroom? Mm. So in Australia, you can pull your kid out of a class that is teaching something about Western Sydney Airport if you don't like Western Sydney Airport. Mm-hmm. But you can't te- pull your kids out of a class in some places where they teach extreme gender ideology oh. and start teaching that you know men can have children and breastfeed and so forth. Mm. You know, to me that seems to be entirely backwards. You can pull your children out of a class, you know, that you differ with politically, but something that's actually going to be incredibly dangerous to your child. Mm-hmm. And you pull your kid out of that class and you just have this great, you know, wall of bullying and bigotry that just descends on your head. Mm. And so, yeah, you were wondering where I was going to go with that story. That's the question <laughs> that goes through my mind. And once again, what we have right there is a yeah. sign that Jesus is coming back soon. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Lot. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
we need to go to our interview of the day. And joining us on the phone this morning is Lily Grace. Lily, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show this morning, Lily. And of course, uh, Renee, Lily is somebody that I met while yeah. I was teaching at uh, LMT. Lay missionary training wow. uh, a few weeks back. So um, super excited to have Lily joining us this morning yeah. and sharing her story. Lily, whereabouts do you come from? Yeah, so I'm actually from New Zealand originally, um, but I'm living in northern New South Wales currently. And how long have you lived, how, how long did you live in New Zealand for? How long have you lived in uh, New South Wales for? Well, I moved over here when I was three years old and I've been living here. I'm 18 now, so I've been living here ever since. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have much of a uh, Kiwi accent coming through there, but I guess your parents probably still do. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, my family does. Um, No, I've lost it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair enough. That's what happens when you live in a different country. Do you ever get back to New Zealand uh, very often before uh, COVID? Yeah, I was actually lucky enough to go back over just before um, only December and then when did COVID hit that March I went over so it was a blessing to go back and see family before then that's fantastic. You know, one of the things that, yeah. um, one of the things that a teacher always looks for in a classroom are students who ask questions because mm. the students who ask questions are the ones who are actually engaged. You know, there's one that sort of phase off and you're like, are they really listening or are they half asleep? And Lily, you had a lot of questions to ask when I was up there, so I really enjoyed that. Um, it, it made the class so much more interesting. Now, how did you end up at LMT? How did you end up with so many questions about the Bible? Tell us, take us a little bit of a journey through your story. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Um yeah, I've always been very curious. I've always wanted to learn more. Just um, been part of who I am. I just wanting to um, understand from different people's perspectives and get new insights. Um, but I've always, in my mind, like I, I actually wasn't brought up um, a Seventh Day Adventist. My mum was Catholic, um, but praise God for my mum because she kept searching for herself. She kept wanting more answers, and she knew she knew that um, the Catholics didn't have all of the right bits. Um, and so she kept searching for herself. She came across um, Seventh-day Adventist Church and knew that she, we had to keep the Sabbath. So I was brought up in a home where um, my mum was constantly teaching us about the Bible. Um, we went to Tweed Valley Adventist College um, shortly after my dad passed away, um, which was a bit of a hard, um, yeah, hard trial in my life that I had to go through, but I, I knew that God was taking us through it the whole time. Um, that's really, had, yeah, there's a, there's a very, very tough challenge. Um, yeah. Really sorry to hear that. How old were yeah. you when your father passed away? I was 15. Mm. Yeah, so three years ago now. Um, but obviously it, it, still, it still comes up at times and it, it's tough. Um, but throughout the whole process, like, I just feel such a peace, um, such a peace and comfort from God, like, He's always there. He's always um, guiding us through tough times and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I never, I, I never doubted for a second that, you know, he was, that he, this wasn't for a purpose. Um, so I went to Three Valley Adventist College and at this, at this point I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew that God um, loved me. He'd done a lot for my sins. But I'd never, you know, the, the classic head knowledge, but you haven't really experienced it with your heart. 
um, that was me. I was I was one of those Christians. And I remember um, two years ago now, I went and preached at a summer camp. I got asked by one of my friends and I went down, um, some of you may know, Landon Asherick and Luke Helmai um, and a few others. And I preached for the first time. And in that moment, I just realized that if I'm up here standing at the front preaching to younger younger generations than me, why why am I not living it out for myself? You know, it was it was one of those pivotal moments where I was like, I need to start living the way that I'm preaching. And it was it was a moment where I felt guilty that um, I hadn't really experienced it or I hadn't really understood fully. Um, Good. Can I just jump in for I a second, Lily? Yeah, absolutely. How old were you when you preached your first sermon? I was um, sixteen. Sixteen. Congratulations, yes. go go you! Even though even though I understand this story where you know you know this stuff in your head, but you haven't really made that connection with God. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fantastic to hear yeah. that you would get out there and have a go and say, you know what? Why not? I'm going to talk about Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and I can see how God would use that experience in your life. To actually bring you closer to Him, this is this is amazing. More of our churches need to do this. We need to be encouraging our young people to, you know, to get out and have a crack at this kind of thing. Okay, so um, you're preaching yeah. a sermon and you're realizing that yeah. okay, I know this material, I can present this material, yeah. but there's something missing. Mm. Where does the story yeah. go from there? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm at summer camp and I'm just like I need I need to instead of speaking this, I need to live it out fully. And I, I honestly don't know how to describe it, Lyle, like, but I just felt like it was like God was like, he's finally ready for me to be able to come into her life and fully not like, let her know fully that I am, I am living in her and I need to be part of her whole life. I need to surrender it all. Um, it was kind of, what's the Bible verse? Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. I will, I will take out the heart of flesh and I will put my heart within you. I um, and put a new spirit within you. And I really, truly feel like that. I don't know what it was. I don't know what clicked, but God, I just feel like you put a new spirit within me where I was able to truly, truly feel his presence and surrender it all to him. Um, and that was, that was an amazing, um, experience, amazing time. Um, I remember coming back to my, um, home church, church Kingscliff. Um, and speaking to one of my spiritual mentors, and I was like, I've had this new experience. I can't explain it. Like, I just feel it. Like, I just need to share Jesus with everyone. I need to tell him how good he is. And she said, that's amazing, Lily. But know that this is a spiritual heart. This is a spiritual hill. You know, it's a spiritual mountaintop, but there will be days, there will be times when you will find that you're in a spiritual valley. And at the time, I was like, oh, no, this is going to last. And But you know, as we go throughout our Christian war, Christian journey, it does sometimes feel like God isn't as close as he once was. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there if, was... If I, if, wait, sorry, I keep feeling like, like I'm, I'm butting no. a little bit. There's some, of these, there's some parts of the story that just are uh, just too good to miss out. One of the things that I want to <laughs> hone in on there is that when you came back, mm-hmm. you had opportunity to go and talk to a, a spiritual mentor. And mm. this is something that I find that is tremendously lacking in a lot of churches today is that young mm. people don't have somebody that they can go to and they don't have somebody that can mm. give the kind of advice that you received right there. I just like to yeah. encourage all of our church members, if you're a member of a church somewhere, find a young person 
get close to that young person and be a mentor to mm-hmm. that young person. So important. Um, yeah, it's been such a blessing um, to have her there for me and just being able to share what I've been through. Yeah, such a blessing. Mm. Was this something that your church had organised or your church said, okay, we need to organise spiritual mentors for our young people or was it just something that, you know, this person just took an interest in you as a person? Yeah, no, I've, um, I actually worship lead with her um, up the front. We organise music together. So we have had that, that love of music. Um, but at the same time, yeah, she's just invested. She's um, invested in many young people. She has that passion. Um, so no, nothing organised by the church specifically. Mm. No, praise God that yeah. it happens. Praise God that it happens. Anyway, where were yeah. we up to? Yeah, so the the conversion experience. Um, but yeah, ever since then, you know, I've just it like it, it hasn't been smooth sailing. Um, of course, but I've just I've never felt God leave my side. Um, and throughout my year twelve, um, my HSC experience. For those who don't know, yeah, HSC is like your final exams um, that you go through um, just before you graduate year twelve. And yeah, that was a rocky time navigating some friendships and um, relationships and whatnot. But I just, at the end of the day, I just had my core foundation rooted in rooted in Jesus Christ, and that that's what brought me through it all. And that's what brought me ultimately to um, LMT, local missions training. Um, I had, I honestly, I still have no clue what I'm going to be doing with my future. Um, but praise God, I know the one that does, <laughs> and I'm just. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know what I'm doing at all, um, but I'm just, with this program, a couple of the reasons that I um, joined was so that I could get some clarity um, on what God wants for my life. Um, I also finally realized, like, coming out of, like, nearly coming out of the program now, we've got about five or four weeks to go. I'm actually realizing how much we are to share Jesus, like, openly with others. Like, I, I've known it, and I've, I've done that, like I've said, but at the same time, evangelizing and and witnessing to others is it, it's the most important thing that, like, I, that is coming out of the program for me specifically. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Lily, we had a, we had a great time up there. Um, well, I certainly had a great time. I hope you guys did. Um, while while yeah, I was up there sure. teaching Daniel, and uh, how have the other classes been? Is this the kind of thing that you would recommend to other young people to get involved with? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's been such a blessing getting um, different speakers in, um, sharing different topics. You know, it just it gives you that deeper insight onto God's word from different perspectives. Like it's our, our foundation is the same, the Bible's the same, but just understanding it in this new life, I've never seen it the way that it's been portrayed in the classes before. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been so good. So I would 100% recommend it. You mentioned anyone. that, you mentioned that uh, you have been involved in, you know, some outreach and sharing Jesus, this kind of thing yeah. as a part of your classes there. Um, yeah. What kind of, what kind of things do you do as far as reaching out to the community goes? Yeah, so at the moment we're actually we're involved in um, Bible studies at the school at um, Tweed Valley Adventist College, but we've also been um, going out door knocking, door to door, asking if people would like to participate um, in the survey. And yeah, we're thrown into the deep end <laughs> a little bit, um, but it's I've actually had some amazing experiences so far, 
and um yeah, getting a little bit uncomfortable has definitely been a blessing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, sometimes when we uh when we you know, we, 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 we put ourselves in a situation where we are a little bit uncomfortable. It's a great opportunity yeah. to, you know, stretch our boundaries and learn new things about how to share Jesus. Lily, yeah, thank you so absolutely. much for, for joining us this morning. Um, we, we appreciate hearing your story and your testimony. It's great to have young people here on the show mm-hmm. just sharing what Jesus has done in their life. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.